He basically yesterday accused the hospital of handing the numbers they need because they were trying to sell or sending out the back door the masks. How do you go from using 20,000 masks to 300,000 masks? Can't be done. Go investigate that. You go investigate that. You have your military or FEMA investigate that. That's your job. Never had a doubt. Never a doubt. You're in charge of this. If this is a war, they're still in your supplies. What do you do? Tell them you tell the media to go investigate it? What, and get back to you in six weeks or two months? As more people die on a daily basis? That's what's wrong here. There's a disconnect. We're watching one thing happen in our city on the 11 o'clock news every night. We're watching people die, and now we know people who died. And we're not seeing one or two people die now in our neighborhood. We're seeing them die by the tens and twenties by the day. They're bringing people out of the hospital in Queens in body bags. Five minutes from where he grew up. We here know this isn't right. You get the guys in the metropolitan area and ask the cops in New York if it's right right now. Ask the firemen in New York who so are answering those police calls right. Answering those ambulance calls if it's right right now. Peanutty, because it's made from the best quality peanuts in the world. Hey, peanut butter, anytime they can. Only the nurses and the doctors in that hospital if it's right right now. They know it's not. They don't have the supplies they need. So don't give me the My Pillow guy doing a song and dance up here on a Monday afternoon when people are dying in Queens. You see them in the jungles, in the forests on the plains. You can feel their spirits on every terrain They share their primal wisdom With all who wish to hear And their message is perfectly clear Get the stuff made, get the stuff where it needs to go And get the boots on the ground Treat this like the crisis it is And how can you have a scoreboard that says 2,000 people have died and tell us it's okay if another 198,000 die, that's a good job. How is that a good job in our country? Happy 
It's a good job if nobody else dies. Not if another 198,000 people die. So now 200,000 people are disposable? That's it. I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. And this is Race to the Bottom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The award winning. My opening monologue, as always, is sponsored by Winslow Tea, because that's how you know it's Winslow. I'm drinking it right now. Hold on. Ah, It's too hot. Should have waited. Please hashtag your tea drinking experiences with hashtag how you know and steep into the conversation. Why don't you? Guys, what's going on? Here we are once again. We meet again for the first time and the last time. Right? Spaceballs? I, ha- I have this metaphor that I'm, I'm trying to work out in my brain. And it goes something like this. And it goes a little something like this. You know when you haven't been working a lot because maybe you're underemployed or maybe you're lazy and then you, you get a job. Get a job. Right? And then you have your job and then you're working all the damn time. And it's, and it's good. It's good to work, right? We're made to work. Protestant work ethic, right? But you're working all the time. And then when you have a day off, just doing, any, just doing anything or nothing feels amazing. You know, just, just uh, going on a little walk. Or watching a, watching a baseball game. Or laying on the couch and, and just zoning out. Hanging out with friends and family feels amazing. You know, you know that phenomena. Well, I feel like in the age of COVID, once we get out of our out of this isolation, just doing the smallest little thing is is gonna feel great. Walking to the uh, to the deli, right? How amazing is that gonna feel for me? Getting on a, on, a, on a subway. Getting on the train. 
Taking the train to work. Walking to work. From the six. That nice 15, 20 minute walk. Oh, it's going to feel so good seeing my students. Going to eat dinner with family. Going to a baseball game. Watching a baseball game on TV. I hope that we can keep somehow maintain this desire to be a part of the world once the world has opened back up to us. Because it, it gets a uh, it, it gets rough. Sometimes when we go to sleep at night after a day locked inside and we sleep that sleep that knits up the raveled sleeve of care, right? Macbeth? You wake up and there's that first moment where you you have forgotten. And then you're back to life, back to reality. You know what I'm talking about? I guarantee goddamn tea that I'm gonna... I'd like to guarantee goddamn tea that I'm gonna come out of this a more appreciative person. But I'm on a spring break now, believe it or not. Got two weeks of spring break and... I know where I will be spending them. I'll be spending them here on the mic with you guys. I'll be spending them in the kitchen. Oh, I gotta make bread today. I'll be spending them watching Netflix. I'll be spending them with my wife. I'll be spending them on the couch reading. I told you guys I'm reading Sons and Lovers. I tried to uh, read this book like three or four times. And I figured now is is the time to do it more than halfway through it's good but if that 500 page tome was not enough i i have this strange thing where i about five or six years ago i was reading brothers karamazov you know the dostoevsky novel and somehow i i have no recollection of what happened i got about halfway through and i don't know I don't remember giving up on the book. I just remember not <laughs> not finishing it. And I don't know where that copy of that book went. And I didn't even remember any of this until my friend was saying that they were uh, starting to read this book, Brothers Karamazov. And I said, I think, I, uh, did I? So what I did, guys, I went on Spark Notes, which is like internet cliff notes for those those who have not been to school in the modern internet age and I've you can read chapter summaries and I've been going chapter by chapter reading the summaries until I figure out where in the Sam Hill I stopped reading it and I think I found this the the place or around the place and now I'm actually reading the book on my uh got Kindle for my iPad <laughs> so I'm reading Dostoevsky and D.H. Lawrence be doing that and I'm and I'm writing I'm writing my my uh, stories of pizza cabin so I don't have the kind of time to micromanage this show so to uh, but the show can be what it needs to be this week uh, I'm gonna talk to a couple people gonna talk to my buddy Tom Demena and play a new song of his we're gonna talk about Tiger King in this kind of fatalistic docudrama stuff that that hooks us and why it does and i'm, I'm going to talk to my buddy vance 
who I worked at Pizza Cabin with and and who was my my kind of radio pal back on Asheville FM. He worked a lot on Race to the Bottom with me and then he started his own show, Riffin, which is still going, which has turned into this kind of encyclopedic Vance has the most interesting mind and and he just has this encyclopedic historical kind of perspective on things and he got became obsessed with caro- the uh, rock and roll kind of garage rock from the the Carolinas mostly North Carolina but some South Carolina rock bands and he's he's found all these guys that haven't talked about their music in 40 or 50 years and he's getting them on the show and playing their their music and kind of cataloging that for posterity Vance and I are going to talk about community radio. There was a, th- a thing in the New York Times today about community radio and how it is reacting to this pandemic, how it's struggling to stay on the air, and Vance and I are going to talk about that. Speaking of, i got to read this thing. Friends, COVID-19 is disrupting everyone's lives right now. Mm-hmm. We'll do it like Omelette Bar, where he reacts to the things he's reading off the teleprompter. And Radio Free Brooklyn is no exception. Sure isn't. We want you to know that we have made every effort to ensure the health and well-being of our host, staff, and the community at large. We've closed both of our studios. Yep, we got to shut down the studio. And canceled live events, but our hosts are still doing their best to continue bringing you new original programming by broadcasting live and pre-recorded from their home studios, like me or by selecting their best rebroadcast of their past shows. There's, yes, the like I said last week, our, our hosts have done this for years, and they've got good stuff. So keep tuning in. Here comes the, the thing, though, guys. With most of our revenue streams evaporated, we need your help. We realize that you may be hurting too, but if you can afford a small donation, it would go a long way towards helping us stay on the air. There are ways that you can help. First, you can give a one-time or monthly donation by going to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. There you will find some great t-shirts, mugs, and other swag. Is it swag or swag? That we'd like to send you to say thanks. You can also use your phone to text RFBGIVE5, that's the number 5, to 44321. That's RFBGIVE5 to 44321. It only takes a moment, and you'll be able to use your digital wallet for your donation. Finally, if you shop Amazon, we can all do this. Although, we got to rethink this whole Amazon thing, guys. Finally, if you shop Amazon, go to Amazon.com slash smile and register Radio Free Brooklyn as the nonprofit you wish to support. When you do so, a percentage of your sales will go to RFB, and it will cost you nothing. So I think we can all do that. Come on, please. Let's let's make that one happen at least. Even if you have no money to give when you're when you're buying your your toilet paper and your yeast, think of us. No donation is too big or small. Whatever you can afford will make a huge difference. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts and wish all of our listeners health and happiness as we weather this storm together. Okay? Okay. How about that mashup? What'd we hear? We heard from... My wife got this song in her head. I'd never heard of it. Promises, Promises. Who who sings Promises, Promises? Naked Eyes. 
Promises, Promises. We heard a little bit of that. We heard a little bit of this, um, and I'm going to do a recommendation about this uh, in a second. But we heard uh, from Sherelle, Saturday Love. I really like that. That song sounded like a precursor to, very influential to Erica Badu and Paul Abdul, Janet Jackson. I was digging on that one. We heard, and through this whole thing, was Mike Francesa talking about Omelette Bar, a man for whom he voted. And uh, if you, if you don't know who Mike Francesa is, he's a he was one of he was Mike from Mike and the Mad Dog. He's one of the biggest sports radio guys. He's a like a Long Island type dude, but you know people listen to him. And, and I used to say, and I know it sounds like I'm getting into politics right now, and I am, because here's, here's what we're going to do. I've talked to Johnny. He's okay with this. I'm not going to do the political checkup today. I, I just want to do art and stuff and, and talk to people, and, and, and I, I just can't. I don't, I don't want the, the show to be politics this week, at least. So, But I will say that... I have this friend, Drew, and his mom, he's from Finley, Ohio, and his mom, we, we would always ask, Drew, who's, who's your mom voting for? Because I think Drew's mom has voted for the person who became president every time she has voted since she was, you know, 18 or whatever. She voted for W twice, switched to Obama. I think she switched to Trump. And she, she's like one of these bellwether people. You know, and I feel like maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, Mike Francesa finally turning on this dude. It was very de- demoralizing this week. I'm sure everyone saw that Omelette Bar's approval ratings are the highest that they've ever been. It's sick and sad. We heard from Peter Pan Peanut Butter. I had that. I needed to order some peanut butter. We're running out. That was a an ad that had a big effect on me growing up. Peter Pan, peanut butter, woo! Right? We heard from Beautiful Wild and Free from Big Cat Rescue, as heard on the Tiger King documentary, which, as I said, we'll be talking to Tom about more later. And we heard from Marilyn Monroe singing Happy Birthday, Mr. President. That's a, um, a recommendation of mine to sing her version of Happy Birthday while you're washing your hands for 20 seconds. Because she does it real slow. Speaking of recommendations, let's let's do a part of the show that I like to call recommended, because that's its name. It's a recommendation. 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 Just one recommendation this week, and this is everybody's been talking about it, but. We cleaned the apartment on, on Sunday, and, and we are rocking out to this. It is DJ D-Nice's homeschool mix. I, I guess this this DJ did like a Facebook or Instagram thing where he, he DJed for 18 hours or something. But they put the playlist of the songs that he, he did on, on Spotify. You can check that out. And that's where I heard Sherelle with Saturday Love. It's good stuff, right? Okay, so we got to do March Sadness, announce our winner, big, big time stuff. But first, let's do a round of sound. First up, we will hear from A.C. Newman off of his album 
Shut Down the Streets, the lead-off track, I'm Not Talking. This came out maybe eight years ago or something, but I always listen to this record right around this time, right when uh, winter becomes spring, and it's just for some reason, it's, it's the perfect record for this time of year, and I love this tune, I'm Not Talking, followed by the Be Good Tanyas. You remember them? We'll hear It's Not Happening, which we tell ourselves in these times. A little dissociation goes a long way, right? And then we'll hear from Tom DeMena and his, his track, Hiding from the World, before we actually talk to Tom later in the show. And, and this is an unreleased track from Tom. It is so damn good. I'm excited for you to hear that. And, uh, and, and after this round of sound, we'll, get, we'll, we'll announce the winner of March Sadness. The winner is going to create uh, our playlist for the July 4th edition of the show. Hopefully we'll be celebrating July 4th out of doors. We'll see. I'm like Omelette Bar, except instead of Easter, I'm shooting for July 4th. So let's enjoy this round of sound. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Race to the Bottom, baby. Comes true, we'll see. 
from the world is what we just heard uh what what's the you you recorded that uh with with this dude from from work also uh yeah i recorded that and um i don't know i thought that uh that was one of those songs where i thought i don't know it's maybe too bleak or too dark and i didn't know if it would be interesting to anyone else but i'm glad you liked it it might be my it. favorite thing that you've done I, oh really? I love it. I love the 
the whole vibe, the, the the vocals are great, and the and the melody and the harmonies are just, it's it's great, and it's great for right now, hiding from the world. I haven't been outside in in weeks, so uh, perfect. Yeah, well, thank you. I I wrote it uh, while I was working at Shipyard, which is this awful brewery here in, <laughs> in Portland. Uh-huh. It's like the dinosaurs, the old man before like all the microbreweries came. I thought it'd be a fun place to work, and it sort of was in a way. But um, you know, it was like it's such a relic that it's it's, it's blue collar in the worst way. There are you have a lot of you know jerks that they're not can't really talk to in the break room, so you're just there, <laughs> you're sitting there in Maine in this break room with all these jerks and uh you just wonder and wondering why you know why did i why am i here what the hell did i do yeah and um uh i remember just looking at the window and seeing like a couple of birds and just thinking oh this is bad i mean this is bad news <laughs> <laughs> this has also been a uh, a good a good time for reality TV and these disgusting shows that that we force ourselves to watch or we not even force ourselves that we just can't can't stop yeah there's the disgusting feeling you get from you know Tiger King which I thought was really great but also just left me feeling like I just stuffed myself you know an interesting thing about Tiger King is I, I wanted to see run this by you I felt like it was this kind of allegory also of Hillary versus Omelette Bar, as we call him on the show. Um, I felt like Joe Exotic was was Trump. You know, he... And the way that he was able to... He was conspiracy-obsessed. He was great in front of the camera. He could he could charm, you know, anyone. And he Man- manipulate them. Manipulate them, and he you know points out the this fatal flaw of literally probably uh, depending on who who you are of of this woman Carol who runs Big Cat Rescue that she potentially murdered her her ex-husband and fed her to the cats and just his like reality show thing when he was in the studio and and just railing on her you know he needed her to be who he was in the same way Trump needed Hillary and in the way that Carol reacted when they would bring up these things about her like (laughs) she'd say like her voice was even similar to Hillary's where and she'd be like well I I can't even possibly answer that question these people are ridiculous and I'm not even gonna uh, lower myself to respond to entities it was just like I just felt like it was the this weird allegory the whole time well, it's interesting. I didn't, I didn't think about that, but I, I can see that. And the fact that people are now watching this Tiger King thing, <laughs> and 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 everybody's falling in love and can't get enough of uh, Joe Exotic and this woman who, uh, whether she murdered her husband or not. Well, wait a minute, though. Whether she murdered her husband or not, and fed him to cats. That's the thing that was like. That was the most. There should have been more about it. Really, I mean, like. What happened to that guy? Does it make sense? He yeah. went on a plane that that he what that wasn't registered and and just you know crashed and burned and no one ever heard from him again. That seems crazy. Yeah. Or 
he was killed because you know there, those that whole his ex-wife all the whole family thought yeah definitely her i don't know man i mean that was the that was the weird thing it does seem like she was you know she had her wits about her and it was kind of a hillary like a like a you know why are you hating this witch excessively that, that in that way i could see her as being hillary but yeah yeah i mean uh, so yeah i need to clarify that hillary has <laughs> as as much dirt as they've thrown on her i don't really think that there's that much there that she did i mean she was kind of dumb with some stuff and a little shady but i don't think there's actually much villainous yeah much behind it except for the fact that i thought hillary was horrible with with responding to her her critics and and i i watched that whole hulu thing and it's just so many of her errors were just these unforced errors where she just looked arrogant and petty and like she didn't people didn't even deserve a an answer about you know these these questions that were brought up because of course she didn't do it and she doesn't have to prove anything to anybody that's how i think it's it's similar i don't think hillary had anybody killed i'm not like a pizzagate uh, dude or anything well as far as tiger king is concerned that i don't understand how how to feel about whether or not she murdered her husband and fit into <laughs> lions and tigers yeah i honestly just couldn't believe this is this isn't like an interesting personality but i just couldn't believe how good looking that guy was that that six foot six dude that that he convinced was gay when wasn't and you know became his lover i just I, yeah that, that was like a mythical uh figure yeah um, so that stuck out to me um and his other his other husband i mean it was just yeah. crazy he was good looking too i mean he had lost his teeth but um you know he was he was a very uh all, all three of his husbands uh <laughs> he could he could get some pretty pretty attractive young young boys he was good i mean god it was, it was, you know he he went on that you know but they they showed footage on john oliver and the yeah. crowd liked him the yeah. crowd got a kick out of him they were just like yeah it's just like this is what happens when you have a bunch of uh i don't know poor people they just start making bad decisions and yeah uh, there's no other just they have nothing else they can do but uh try and like you know Get on, make a reality show about that, that the guy that tried to make the reality show. He had a nervous breakdown when, his, when his, all his footage got burned down. Yeah. Well, that was crazy because he was, Joe Exotic was doing his reality show, but then that guy was doing, was documenting Joe Exotic doing the reality show. And then you had the person who did the Netflix thing documenting that. So it was like a... A mirror inside a mirror inside a mirror. Just- yeah, but it, it felt eerie because it felt like you were participating in the madness. You know yeah. What I mean? And and one of the biggest things that I've seen uh, people have said online is that no one is, um, everybody talks all about this, but nobody really talks about the the tigers, you know? It's interesting. It does, It I think it goes back to this Barnum and Bailey you know DNA. It's uh, it's weird that um, the the it just becomes this carnival sideshow that 
there's a market for. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Well, um, well, what's your new, have you found a, a new documentary or a, a new piece of garbage uh, TV to suck you in since <laughs> since Tiger King's over. You know what I saw that I thought was really good was, uh, and I, I, I may rewatch it because it's also really full. Was um, Press on Masterpiece Theater. Okay, it's, um, it's like the British version of Aaron Sorkin's um, news newsroom, which I thought sucked. Yeah. And this was just way better. This was like okay. everything that show wanted to be. And it's just so fun to watch it through a British lens because it's this bizarro version of your reality. You, can, you have a distance from it and you can really appreciate the nuances on both sides and what is, what is like fundamentally seductive about mm. Fox News. Yeah. And what is like, the, what is like <clears throat> deeply wrong with progressive, you know, liberal angst. Just yeah. this, you are sort of isolate you isolate yourself with your own ambitious idealism and you just start there you are on your computer kind of like superior to everyone and um unable to really you know enjoy your life <laughs> um in a, you're kind of in a prison well, uh, you heard it here first. Press. That sounds uh, right down my alley. Uh, my wife and I love love the British stuff, so I think we're gonna maybe start that tonight. Yeah, and there's always just a little jolt of pride when you watch masterpiece theater for your own <laughs> enjoyment. <laughs> so, what do you have going on today? I'm going to um, work on some songs for a live stream that I'm going to do to One Long Fellow Square's audience. While we're shut down, they've asked me to be the guinea pig for their live stream. Yeah, I'll give the link to that uh, on next week's show. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks for setting this up. Yeah. You take care and call whenever. Okay, take care. Bye. Out in the street, they call it Hey, this is Dr. Dad here. I'm just uh, dealing with this coronavirus and what what uh, what it's bringing into my awareness is death awareness. And uh, that sounds grim, but it's true. Uh, people, you know, or especially my age, uh, you worry about could it get me and take me out and so on. But at the same time, it's important for all of us to learn from this. One of the most important things is to appreciate life more. There's a famous psychiatrist, Erwin Yalom, who wrote a book called Staring at the Sun. The underheading of it is overcoming the dread of death. And what he's saying is that if you can somehow be fully aware of your mortality, then you can begin to value and enjoy life uh, even more. And uh, so the, the three F's are important, friends, family, and food, uh, to just really enjoy that and just be happy that you are alive. One of the things that we face is loneliness. Well, if you can take loneliness and turn it into solitude and realize that you're alive and you can appreciate it and you can then go and find what it is that uh, turns you on. This last weekend I was uh, 
decided to try doing crossword puzzles and spent some time that wasn't very good at it, but at least it, you know, gave me something to do. And uh, so the other thing, of course, is to share what you what you're learning, and that's my little effort here to share a few things that I've been thinking about. And uh, of course, in the meantime. Do everything you can to stay safe, wash hands and all of that, and uh, hope uh, hope these ideas are helpful, and uh, bye for now. This copyrighted broadcast is presented by the authority of the Office of Radio Free Brooklyn. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or account of this radio show without the express written consent of Race to the Bottom Industries is strictly prohibited. I really think that a sense of community is really important, yes. especially in times like, like these, because a lot of times the news or the media, even if it is a, a, a local or a community-based uh, nonprofit media, it, it still feels distant. But in times like this, people really want to, to connect in a way to what they hear, the content. They want it to be something that they can relate to or connect with. Yeah. Not just a playlist. Yeah, no. And I think um, uh, community radio stations are doing a fantastic job of uh, filling that niche. Well, I wanted to, the show today, I, I wanted to focus on trying to connect with some people and, and do just that. And I, th- I thought of talking to you. You and I kind of started doing radio at the same time, kind of based on our experience delivering pizzas, basically exactly what you're saying. Once when you've worked a 40 hour week delivering pizzas and you're in your car all the time, your CDs get old. And this was before we had satellite radio or any of that. And so you, I just find myself flipping the dial, searching for anything to kind of keep me company as I was logging the miles. And I think we both, uh, we would talk about what we had found when we came back inside, busting into some old forgotten hit that was playing on on the light rock station or something that shut up <laughs> and quizzing each other on on that kind of stuff and that really drew me to to just want to become a, a part of that just kind of keeping people company and being on the airwaves even if right. it was the internet airwaves and especially around here, a small town like Asheville in, in those days, what did you say, 2010 or mm-hmm. so, uh, radio was very stale. There was some, <laughs> some AM talk radio, yeah. but it was all commercial and, and, and it was laughable, really. And the, um, the music stations were just the same, you know, sort of wrote 15, the same 15 songs on shuffle. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and the, the DJs were, I mean, you, you could find ways to be amused by it, but it was very stale and, uh, impersonal. And then when, uh, Asheville FM came along, you got involved and, uh, it started doing race to the bottom, which continues now in, in, uh, New York, which, which is fantastic. So we, we kind of did riffing together there for a little bit at, at first, uh, we got, we kind of just wanted to play rock music and, and talk and riff. And, uh, and, and then pretty quickly it became your show. And, and can you talk a little bit about from our initial 
conception of the show to and then and then to what it's kind of become now i i i talked a little bit about this uh when i was introducing you but but what, what's your version of the kind of trajectory that that riffin has had well when john uh approached me about doing riffin volunteer over there at Asheville fm and let's let's just do a rock and roll show that plays like some deep cuts you know uh, we yeah. won't play the uh we won't play necessarily the most obscure stuff, but we'll play the things that don't make it into regular rotation. And I, you know, so there, we were playing some uh, Led Zeppelin and some Super Tramp and some Boskags and some good stuff like that that was yep. kind of neglected uh, uh, by mainstream radio. Um, and I don't know, maybe I had an inkling at the time, but I didn't know just how deep the well went uh, with local or regional music they weren't knocking out uh, radio hits they weren't even making music that was being heard on the radio outside the immediate market so it, it was uh, this discovery especially when I found out that a friend of mine's dad had been in a garage band you know that's kind of a, a generic term but a garage band is basically any sort of raw you know collection of high school kids who are, are practicing in their basement or their garage and uh, a friend of mine's dad had played in one of these Asheville garage bands that actually made a record and then some other demos in 1965 so it was just after the British invasion and there was that mm -hmm. that Beatles Rolling Stones animals sort of influence and they did it well and when I heard these recordings of the satyrs uh, I was blown away and I said, oh man, I got to get more of this stuff. So I started to sort of curate and network with people who were uh, aficionados or collectors of, of this sort of thing. And uh, very shortly we, we developed uh, a network called Carolina Rock and Roll Remembered, which is about 3,000 strong on Facebook now. And a lot of the people in the group are not just uh, collectors and enthusiasts, but uh, 70 year old guys that were playing in these bands so it's really nice to get anecdotes and stories about you know going on the road with a high school rock band in 1967 <laughs> in in north carolina <laughs> so uh yeah I've, I've enjoyed it and it doesn't seem like it's ever going to run out i mean there will be dry spells where we're playing the same music and then uh, somebody will hit me up uh, so I'm, a, I'm on a Huckleberry Mudflap kick right now, and they knocked out a couple 45s. So the fun thing is you go down this rabbit hole far enough and you find this fantastic poster art for an obscure tiny little venue that lasted for maybe one season. Uh, and it's it's lauding uh, the fact that Huckleberry Mudflap is going to be playing there all week. <laughs> And then you can go on YouTube and listen to Huckleberry Mudflap, or you can tune into Riffin on Asheville FM and listen to Huckleberry. Nice. Mudflap. So it is you. You used to be Thursday eleven from uh, Thursday at eleven o'clock uh, a.m. till one one p.m. But in our COVID time, you are three to six on Thursdays. Three to six is the new live schedule for for Riffin. So you can go to AshevilleFM.org to check that out three to six on Thursdays, and then also just uh, scope the archives. So I, I wanted to ask you, of, of all the garage rock and little discoveries that you've made, can you think of a, of a song that, aside from its your interest in finding it, 
is maybe the your favorite song that just strikes you the most on an emotional level of of all the stuff that you've come across in these past eight years i can think of one anthem of north carolina garage rock and that is by a little group out of charlotte called the paragons and the song is abba uh, the Paragons featured Patrick Walters, who would go on to be in the Sponge Tones. Okay. A lot of other uh, sort of Charlotte rock and roll royalty. But uh, ABBA by the Paragons is just fantastic, and it says it all. Well, let's let's hear it. That's pretty much the show. Thank you to Dr. Dad for the inspiring words. Thank you so much to Vance for talking about community radio 
and what it means. You can check out Riffin Coronavirus Time. Uh, it's a different time than than back when the world was young. You can catch them out now from 3 to 6 p.m. on Thursdays at AshevilleFM.org. Thank you to Tom Demena checking in. We'll play another one of his tunes next week and tell you how to catch the live stream of him playing for one Longfellow Square there in Portland, Maine. Support that music venue. It's a great place where Tom works and plays and manages the bar. Thank you, as always, to Johnny's. I will talk to you guys next week. Stay safe if you can. If you can't, we're there for you, too. Let's end the show with another one from A.C. Newman's wonderful album for this time of year. From the album, Shut Down the Streets. This is kind of the title track, a little bit longer of a title. They should have shut down the streets. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. This is Race to the Bottom, baby. Talk to you next week. They should have shut down all the streets. President Sanchez should have been there with not a single empty seat. Oh my gosh, guys. Thank you for staying tuned to the end of the show. You know what I didn't do. Announce the winner of March Sadness. In second place, we have Maple Tree. Congratulations, Maple Tree. And that came from our friend Amy, who does our theme song. Who would have thunk it? Race to the bottom. Salutes you. Our winner is my mother-in-law. And I did not have a hand in this. The votes decided. Passed out Parakeet. So, Nikki, you will be our DJ for July 4th. Bye, everybody. All the schools closed in the roads we drove down all lines. Land with people cast.